Welcome to the Tell Something Podcast. I'm Mark Moss. They had just been shafted by the company that had bought their company. So I was buying them their beer. Ironically, in a couple of years, they would develop a fully automated company that without employees, doing about four and a half million dollars a year in sales. Today, we feature four storytellers who worked hard during a Tell Something corporate storytelling week-long workshop. Members of the Montana Economic Developers Association, or MEDA, shared their true personal stories from their homes and offices during a corporate workshop hosted by Telesomething. The storytelling workshop helped people harness the power of personal storytelling to talk about the work that they do every day. Why is that work important to them? Why that work is important to those that they serve and why that work is important to the communities where they live and work across the state of Montana. Big thanks to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store, and thanks to our enduring sponsors, CabinetParts.com and Blackfoot Communications. Special thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula, and huge thanks to our blue ribbon sponsor, Joyce of Tile. The Mita members who are sharing our stories with you today know that it is with our stories that we can reach people with our mission. They left the graphs and pie charts at the office. They saved the data points for later. Our storytellers today used their true personal stories to share the story of the important work that they do in communities across Montana. Around 20 or so Mita members joined me every day for a week. During our two hours every day, I taught them what I know about storytelling. We talked about techniques and structure and helped each other develop and improve our stories. I tailored the workshop specifically for the Mita members. Today, four of those workshop participants will share their stories with you. We did the workshop over Zoom and a couple times there were internet connectivity issues, so you'll hear some of the participants drop out a few times. Usually, a Tell Us Something event is focused on a theme. We hadn't discussed a theme for these stories, but listening to them, a theme emerged. We can say that the theme is, why am I here? Or, why I do this? Call it passion. Whatever you call it, you'll see these storytellers are personally bonded to the work that they do, and that their passion really comes through in the stories that they share. Our first storyteller is Gloria O'Rourke. Gloria has been a MEDA member since 1995 and self-employed since 2003. She and her business partner, Mike, share an office and have been married for 44 years. Mike and Gloria enjoy spoiling their four grandsons and then returning them with sugar highs to their parents. We call Gloria's story, My Desk. Do you know how many sticky notes are in a pack? We all use them, but do you know there are 100 sticky notes in a pack? I go through about a pack a week. Why? I'm self-employed. That means I'm my own boss, right? Wrong. I have a contract and I work for MEDA, which stands for Montana Economic Developers Association. MEDA has a membership of about, as of this morning, 253 people. And that means I have 253 bosses. 
So at my desk, here at my desk, I like to think of myself as the communication hub. Maybe a federal partner or a state partner has an urgent program update and they'll send it to me, Gloria, can you shoot this out? And, or maybe a MEDA member will send me something saying, hey, we're putting on a training or, oh, we have this to offer small businesses. Would you shoot it out? So I send it out. Or maybe I'll get a phone call. And it's a business person saying, eh, I'm trying to start a business in Bozeman. Do you know who I should contact? And so I look at myself as kind of the communication hub. Things come in, I send them out, right? But I'm not always at my desk. One of my favorite things to do is what's called a meet a community review. Um, once, how it works is a community will invite me to in and I'll first start with a small team of maybe just three or four of us. And what we do is we listen. We listen to a community for hours. We listen to them share about what's important to them, what problems they're having, what challenges they're having. And uh, we summarize everything that we heard from these hours and hours of listening. Then we go back to our desks and I start tapping the shoulders of some of those 253 bosses. And I say, hey, I, this, this town needs help with small business finance, or this town needs help restoring a historic building, or this town needs help with manufacturing, or this town is looking for a co-op for a store. So then we work together to help that community take action on their action plans. A perfect example of this is the community of Lockwood. Several years ago, Big Sky Economic Development and Beartooth RCD invited a small MEDA team to come in and listen to Lockwood. And so we listened and we listened and we heard three main pretty heavy burdens the community of Lockwood had. Um, one was they felt like they were the ugly stepchild of Yellowstone County. They felt their voice was not heard. Another one was they realized they had a large dropout rate, that they had these kids that grew up in Lockwood, went to school in Lockwood, and then suddenly it was time to go to high school, and they were shuttled to different schools in the big city. The third major problem they wanted to address, and it was quite tragic, was they had several deaths in their community because people had been killed. There was no safe streets, no safe sidewalk, no good lighting for the people to walk on. And so the team, after we listened, we came back to our desk, we tapped shoulders of those 253 MEDA members. Um, we worked again with Big Sky EDA and Beartooth and we held a huge town hall meeting. And as a result of that, our, our MEDA members bringing their expertise to the table and local people of Lockwood stepping up. I'll never forget this young dad stepped up and he said, I want my boys to be safe when they walk to school. So the people of Lockwood came together and they really went to work on their action items. So a few months ago, we were back to Lockwood and we wanted to hear what happened. And what we learned is Lockwood has incredible momentum now. They no longer feel like the ugly stepchild. They, um, through working through legislators, they changed state law so that they now had the right to vote on to whether or not to build a high school in Lockwood. And they now have their own high school. And uh, best of all, they were the first community to pass a levy to pay for sidewalks and streetlights.
And so this huge momental, monumental shift has happened in Lockwood. So back at my desk with my, my <laughs> oceans of sticky notes, I've realized something. And that is that there is no self in self-employed. I can't do it on my own. And I like to think you can't do it as well without me. And so working together with my 253 bosses who really aren't bosses, you are really my partners, working together, we are making a difference in our communities and building a great place in Montana for people to work, play, and live. Thanks, Gloria. To learn more about the Montana Economic Developers Association, visit medamembers.org. Our next storyteller is a world traveler from a small town. Heather McCartney is a fifth-generation Montanan. She works as an outreach and consumer education specialist with the nonprofit child care resource and referral agency, Family Connections. Her passions include hunting for a good decaf, long reads, and connecting people to great resources. She lives in Shoto, Montana, with her conservation officer husband, her artistic and whimsical daughter, five freeloading chickens, three cats, and a dog named Bear. Green is her favorite color. We call Heather's story Family Connections. I am driving down 89. The sun crests the eastern horizon, and the light is blinding, so I pull my visor down push it to the side. No need to start a migraine this early in the day. Light flickers off the refuge waters. As I look in my rearview mirror, my little passenger looks dreamily out her window. Look, Mama, I see a dragon, maybe a dog. I follow her gaze into the puffy clouds. Uh-huh, I see what you see. I also see a blue heron fishing over there. Do you see it? Yes, and pelicans too. She leans her head back. I'm tired, Mama, she murmurs. Me too, sweetheart. Why don't you pull your pillow over to the door and have a little nap? She settles herself against the seat, ponytail flopping over as she leans into her pillow and pulls up her blanket. I count myself fortunate to live here on the crown of the continent. Our little bungalow sits in a tree-lined town in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains, the backbone of the world. The front, as usually known, is a cornucopia of flora and fauna. On a given day, you'll see silver-tipped grizzly bears grazing on black choke cherries next to freshly mown hayfields, next to mountain streams that water an otherwise arid plain. In the town of Shoto, the deer regularly graze down my sunflowers and the elk bugle at the city limits. Neighborhood children play from house to house. The schools are top notch. And as Garrison Keeler would say, all the kids are above average. 60 miles later, I pull into a quiet neighborhood. Slowing to go over a speed bump, I see a lively elementary school around the corner and gaze wistfully at a for sale sign on a modest home. I stop as Clara gathers her backpack and hops out. I meet her on the other side of the car. We kiss through our masks. Love you, mama. Love you too, Zugs, I say as I squeeze her in a hug. I climb back into the car and stare at her back and she heads into someone else's capable hands. 15 minutes later, I pull into the parking lot in my company designated space. As I turn off the engine, I feel the heat of the day coming on. I hate my commute. 
I hate all the hours lost to transition when I'd rather be relaxing, catching up with friends, heck, even doing chores. Anything but sitting in a car, my back and legs getting tight. I hate that Clara is strapped to a seatbelt for those same hours rather than running with the sun on her hair or climbing into a treehouse to exchange secrets with friends. I especially hate that because my commute to childcare is so far and high quality care is so expensive that I will have nothing to show for my eight hour day plus two and a half hours of travel. My entire paycheck will have been cashed into making sure my daughter has great care and learning while I work. Yet I'm doing exactly what I love. I'm an influencer for positive change. I deeply gratified helping people solve problems and communities rally around solutions. Like you, there really isn't much I wouldn't do or haven't done to help these good developments along. I mean, you know the drill. Cups of coffee at community tables, op-eds to regional papers, sitting on boards, volunteering for anything on a Saturday, and then biting your tongue as a group moves in a different direction, leaving your hard work in the dust like beer cans after a rodeo. But this, this depleting of my personal resources to care for my child so that I can help other families and communities care for their children, this is pulling at me like a tension wire, fastening me to two worlds, professional and personal. Sitting here in the August heat reminds me of the pressure cooker I'm in. I desperately want Claire to have a carefree childhood full of rich experiences. And I'm also eager to work to help solve Montana's childcare crisis. I'm educated and employed and I'm at risk of leaving the workforce. I live in a childcare desert and I am digging wells for other communities and their childcare oasis. Last night's call from a panic provider wondering how she'll finance next month's expenses haunts me. Families are desperate for childcare so they can work uninterrupted. Yet with pandemic variables, many have pulled the kids home, taking precious cash flow with them. If she can't put together financing, she'll join the 10% that have closed their doors this year, adding to the already 40% shortage we had in the state. Last week's blowback from a county commissioner's meeting, asking them to allocate funds to develop childcare, that had me ready to quit. Hot tears stream down my face. Why don't people wanna support families? Would they rather not have staffing at hospitals, kids in schools, volunteers, or even tax dollars towards infrastructure? What the hell am I doing fighting for others that they may enjoy high quality, affordable, and available childcare for, for which I've not attained for myself? This is fraying the very fiber of my being. I am driving down 89 a starlight illuminates the last of the night grazers. My view is framed by oncoming headlights in the highways. Still slumbering at home, Clara dreams of her day at school, full of friends and learning. Her dad and dog will walk her down the idyllic fall boulevard, kicking leaves and stopping to pick up her favorite rocks. And what am I doing? Like you, I'm going to work. Thanks, Heather. To learn more about Family Connections, visit familyconnectionsmt.org. Russ Fletcher is an old retired guy who escaped from San Francisco 25 years ago to live in Missoula with his retired attorney wife, Alexis. They have two children. His son lives in San Francisco and works for Google. His daughter has come home to Missoula from LA and works for Hulu. Russ spends a lot of his day looking at a computer screen, drinking coffee, and pondering the future of Montana. Russ calls his story how I found my last best job in a Missoula dive bar. 
It was a dark and stormy night 20 years ago. There was a waiter listlessly clearing dishes from the table where the 10 or so people that I invited uh, to dinner uh, had finished eating our greasy burgers and drinking Bud Light. I'd invited them there to ask a single question, something that I'd found since I'd moved from Silicon Valley. It was what the prison sheriff on Cool Hand Luke stated when they dragged Paul Newman back from an escape attempt. What we've got here is a failure to communicate. Why didn't Montana communicate? We did in San Francisco. It was just me and, and we'll call them Bud and Lou. We were left drinking our last can of Bud. There probably was a wet dog laying by that back door. They had just been shafted by the company that had bought their company. So I was buying them their beer. Ironically, in a couple of years, they would develop a fully automated company that without employees doing about four and a half million dollars a year in sales. They would put a phone in their little tiny office on Higgins that would go to the phone tree of all the services. And Bud had to go in occasionally to sign checks. And sometimes he liked to pick up the phone. So one day he's in there and the phone rings. He picks it up and hears, hi, my name is Susan Smith and I'm from, and let's call it Giganto Corporation. He immediately slammed down the phone. It rang again. Hi, my name is Susan Smith and I'm from Giganto. He so calmly said, thanks Susan, but we've already got all the computers we need. And he hung up the phone. The phone rang again immediately and he picked it up. Now he heard in a rush, Hi, my name is Susan Smith. I'm with Giganto and we want to buy your company. This time they got better attorneys and sold it for mid eight figures. Now back to that uh, back room with those soon to be multimillionaires. We'd had a few beers and we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We'd all come from techie backgrounds in Silicon Valley. And in that, in that environment, I had always told my employees, please, get out of the office at least an hour a day. You have to get out. You can't just sit in your office. You've got to see what's going on. Who are our new competitors? Who might we collaborate with? What's the new technology? I also had told them that if they were over 45, I wanted them to find a 25 to 30 year old mentee, not a, men excuse me, a mentor, not a mentee, someone who they could work with someone who they could teach, who could teach them about what changes in technology were happening. They had to realize that it was, they were not the future. It, were the, it was the younger people. It's all and still is all about networking. The three of us lamented the fact that Missoula wasn't talking to Bozeman, wasn't talking to Billings, wasn't talking to Great Falls, et cetera. It seemed like they all thought each other was competing. It was the same for Montana's companies. They weren't talking with each other to see where there might be collaboration. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't Montana, it was the world. How could I address this? <laughs> they both looked at me in, in very calm and, and uh, humorous uh, gazes said, why don't you just build a website? I was running a company at the time, but I said, hey, let's give it a shot. So I knew two guys, they were brilliant techies, John and Steve, they founded Mod West which was an incredibly successful ISP with I think clients in 56 countries. They agreed to build a website that would become the Montana Associated Technology Roundtable, MATTER, because the economy does matter. I'll never be able to thank them enough. Uh, John's now in uh, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, running a brew pub. So there is a career after technology. The site started modestly, 
I started holding monthly roundtables, which I'd done in Silicon Valley. People would get together, we'd have a topic or a panel, and people would just talk. And they seemed to be really wanting to, to get, con get communicating with each other, learn what was going on. I really felt great about these roundtables. They were a lot of work, but uh, I enjoyed them. We had one that I, I think I'll always remember. Uh, the T1 lines was taking 13, 14 weeks to get one installed for a new company. This was just, you know, inconceivable. So I said, let's have a round table. I got a call from Senator Baucus's office. He said he would like to come and speak because he'd heard about this problem too. When he arrived, he apologized. He said, Russ, sorry, I can only stay a few minutes after I give my little speech. He ended up staying for over an hour as he listened to the challenges of the business community. I would like to think that this event had an impact on him as he announced his first state economic summit a few weeks later. Matters all free, as you all know, I rely on the huge personal satisfaction I get from doing matter, not the funding it generates. It's certainly not the 34 cents an hour I calculated I earned sitting on my butt and answering the phone. While supporters and sponsors are greatly appreciated, I've never focused on monetizing it. In spite of my wife's concern and frequent recommendations that you should be charging for that. To me, it's all about Montana. An example was a CEO I was talking to. Uh, he was having a hard time finding a company to collaborate with. They needed some technology skills. <laughs> I asked him, have you walked across the street? He did. He found the company that fit his needs. <laughs> that company didn't have a sign on the door. They competed for the contract, they didn't get it, but it really showed to me the fact that we really needed to get out of the office and talk to our neighbors. It's been about 20 years of updating the site. I produce three newsletters a week. I talk to thousands of wonderful people. And I have to thank Montana and Mita for helping me enjoy the best last job I've ever had. I hope that if you haven't already, maybe someday in some dark back room of a dive bar, you can find your dream job as I did. Maybe it just takes communicating with the right people like Bud and Lou and John and Steve and everybody at Mita. Thanks, Russ. To learn more about Russ's passion project, Montana Associated Technology Roundtables, visit matr.net. Teresa Schreiner is the investment director at the Great Falls Development Authority. She's a former butte rat who teases that she came kicking and screaming to Great Falls with her husband, although loves to sell folks on the Electric City. Teresa just celebrated 10 years with her larger-than-life husband, Casey, who equally challenges her efforts. Together, they have three scrappy and smart little boys that love to give them a run for their money, Adam, Liam, and Finn. Teresa calls her story nose down, ass up. My dad has a small business in Butte. It's a dental practice. Although I probably wouldn't call it small because as far as I remember, it's been probably the biggest practice. See, so my dad's practice, let me tell you a little bit about it. It is the practice that as far as I remember, we always had the phone number listed from our house in the white pages. If you guys remember the white pages, it's the one because my dad remembers what it's like having a toothache growing up. So he would always allow people to call our home day and night, going to be ringing off the hook. He's always the one that takes referrals from the police department, the ER, any clinic, Indian health, things like that nature. So he sees folks of every stripe. He's also not a formal guy, just like his practice. He's unassuming, humble, and larger than life. So people never call him doctor. It's not even Dr. Mike. He's always been known by his high school nickname, Beats. And my dad, 
would always get home later than probably scheduled or he ever wanted to be and later than anticipated. But he would pick the four of us up when he got off work. He'd come rumbling down the dirt road in this old beater of a pickup truck and he'd lay on the horn. It was the signal for the four of us to pile into this pickup truck and go clean the office. So we'd get in the truck, we'd turn around and he'd head on back to the office. He wouldn't stay though, because he would just be dropping us off and he'd head to Doc's place. Doc was his dad. He'd probably go have a beer and they'd rattle off war stories about some toothache that day. And before we'd get out, he'd turn to us and he'd say, nose down kids, ass up. And I remember thinking, that's a strange way to clean because I didn't really know what it meant at the time. But as I'd learn over the years, he'd tell us that all the time, it really meant nose to the grindstone and do the hard work. Now, if any of you have kids, grandkids, or even uh, you know, nephews or nieces of your own, you probably know what it was like when you would arrive back to a scene, leaving four rambunctious children, probably the oldest 10, uh, to their own devices. I don't know what my dad envisioned. I don't know if he was picturing some sort of Mary Poppins scene, leaving the four of us to clean the office, but really it was more like something from One Flew Out of the Cuckoo's Nest. Because what would happen, my brothers would haul out this really large auric orange vacuum, plug it in and start it running. Then the two brothers would start, I think negotiating who was gonna clean. Negotiating would escalate into wrestling. Wrestling would start yelling. And then somehow the two of them would start deciding, hey, let's have, a, let's have a water gun fight. So then they would go into the two operatories or two of the operatories. They would take the dental squirt guns. I think you know what I'm talking about. And then they would start positioning the squirt guns. Water would be splayed out between operatory walls. My youngest sister would be lounged back in a dental chair reading the latest issue of Highlights Magazine. Music would be blasting from the laboratory. Usually it was doors. My dad was a big break on through album fan. And I remember myself, really the suffering middle child of it all, always the responsible one, would be clutched holding a broom or a mop, you know, orphan Annie style, just pleading with all of them. Oh my God, you guys help me. He's going to be back soon. And he'd arrive probably about a half an hour later to the scene. And even though everybody referred to my dad as Beats, the four of us affectionately called him Beats a dead horse because he would follow us around the office and he wouldn't give in. He would just lecture us until we got it done right. Eventually we would learn that if we did it right the first time, it would get done faster. And the sooner we actually got it done, the sooner we would be home playing Ninja Turtles or Street Fighter on our Nintendo. Now, me being the suffering middle child I stayed with my dad on through college and grad school and I worked with him. I remember throughout these years that I was pretty embarrassed that we drove these beater old trucks and all of these old cars. And I asked my dad about it. And I learned that my dad, because he takes patients of all stripes would tell me quite a few things. In addition to the nose down ass up work ethic that my dad has, he would tell me more meaningful things too. He would often say that the banker's spouse takes care of the widow's heart condition. You see, Teresa Beats would tell me that a rising tide does lift all boats. It's not about being the richest man in the cemetery. After all, you don't see a hearse hauling a U-Haul, which is why he takes care of everybody that he does. So my dad instilled in me this work ethic 
but he also taught me in this nose down, ass up attitude that we'd better leave this place better than we found it. And my dad also taught me that throughout these years, anytime I was complaining about the social ills of the world, I better be a part of the solution and not the problem. So my dad's diatribe continued to beat through me like a drum, which matters because I think this is why we are all doing what we do. And anytime I found myself progressing throughout a career, if I was unhappy with it, I couldn't go complain to my dad because he would tell me, nose down, ass up, Teresa, go find the solution. Don't be a part of the problem. If you find yourself being a part of the problem, go find that solution. So anytime I did that, I'd have to move up throughout this progression. And I continued to ask myself, what is that man behind the curtain? What is that jack of all trades in the community? And I think we all know what it is. It is community development. It is economic development. We are the end of the yellow brick road. And now more than ever, it is personal to me because about seven months ago, my dad actually called me. My dad, who I have seen as this true end of all being, called me at the beginning of the shutdown. And he said, I, I don't know what to do. I'm shut down. My dad hasn't worked with a banker, a personal loan officer, since he'd opened his business. He was nearing retirement. And now my brother, my younger brother, this man who I remember holding squirt guns, was looking at buying out his practice. But my brother had also $700,000 in student loan debt and had a baby on the way. So he didn't know about the PPP loan. He didn't know about the idle loan, wasn't familiar with his succession planning. He knew what I did, but didn't know what I did, quite frankly. So because of the small business center, because of what we do as economic developers, he's been able to safely shut down. He's been able to capitalize on PPP loans and idle loans, secure both of those things. He's been able to actually successfully re-engineer his business and remodel his business during the shutdown. And he's been able to restore his business. I can't imagine what would happen without my dad and my brother's practice in the community of Butte. So I want you to remember that. I want you to remember the impact that we have in the state of Montana. So I want to leave by saying nose down people, ass up. Thanks, Teresa. You can learn more about the Great Falls Development Authority by visiting growgreatfallsmontana.org. Thank you all for listening and supporting our storytellers today. And thanks to all of the storytellers, Gloria, Heather, Russ, and Teresa. If your organization would like to learn how to tell better stories, drop me a line at mark at telesomething.org. That's M-A-R-C at telesomething.org. You can learn more at telesomething.org slash workshops. Next week on the Tell Something podcast, we'll hear from Nirma Dobrichanin, a Tell Us Something storyteller who shared a story in November of 2018. But here, there was nobody, not even a car to, to go past. I was thinking, where, what, what, is this Resident Evil or where am I? I caught up with her last summer via Zoom to chat about her Tell Us Something experience and what it was like visiting the United States from Montenegro during her study of the U.S. Institute on Secondary Education through the University of Montana. Tune in for that next week at telesomething.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store. 
Dedicated to supporting a healthy community, The Good Food Store provides a wide selection of organic food and natural products. Shop less, shop solo, and shop fast. Now offering curbside pickup, learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Thanks also to our enduring sponsors, cabinetparts.com, the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Providing the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price and knowledgeable hardware specialists, cabinetparts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. Blackfoot Communications. Since 1954, Blackfoot Communications have fostered a reputation based on exceptional customer service and community involvement. They deliver superior technology solutions through trusted relationships and enrich the lives of their customers, owners, and employees. Learn more at blackfoot.com. Thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. Offering weekly meal delivery to nourish your family and friends, have a look at the menu and order online at truefoodcsa.com. Huge thanks to our blue ribbon sponsor, Joyce of Tile. Licensed and insured in Montana, Joyce of Tile specializes in interior finish work. Whether you know exactly what you want or need help with design, Joyce of Tile works with you to realize your tile dreams. Joyce of Tile provides you with tile installation that will enhance your home for years to come. Learn more at JoyceofTile.com. If you want to support what we do, you can do that financially by donating. Go to tellussomething.org and click the handshake support icon in the top right-hand corner. You can also tell somebody about the show. Recommend Tell Us Something to just two people who have never listened to it. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. It really helps. If you ever want to drop me a line, write to mark at tellussomething.org. That's M-A-R-C at tellussomething.org. Thanks to Cash for Junkers, who provided music for the podcast. Find them at cashfordrunkersband.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Missoula Bone & Joint, providing superior clinical orthopedic care to their patients for over 60 years. MissoulaBoneAndJoint.com. Access Physical Therapy, an enthusiastic team dedicated to providing compassionate and comprehensive care to their clients. Learn more at accessmissoula.com. Thank you to our in-kind sponsors, Logjam Presents. Top Hat Restaurant and Bar is open with limited capacity in-house dining and takeout. The Top Hat also now features geodome dining, social distancing taken to the next level. Their new private geodomes seat two to six people and are perfect for staying warm and cozy while enjoying local food and drink through the winter months. Learn more and reserve your dome at logjampresents.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company. Learn more at missoulabroadcasting.com. Float Missoula, formerly known as Enlighten Lab Float Center. Learn more at floatmsla.com. A nurse of physiotherapy, we want you to move better and feel better so you stay in motion. Learn more at nurseofphysiomc.com. Geckodesigns.com, missoulaevents.net. Podcast production by me, Mark Moss. To learn more about Tell Us Something, please visit tellussomething.org. Stay safe, wear a mask, take care of yourself, and take care of each other.